When is the last time that you were in awe of creation? This morning, wonderful. Now, um, this, this picture here for our uh, sermon slide, I've been in awe of creation uh, many times since then, but this was our trip to Iceland and last year, and this was at sunset. And in the summer, the sun really doesn't set quite really in, in Iceland, so this was like midnight. But this was one of those times where this brought tears to my eyes that, you know, just felt God's presence, felt the, the power of the Creator. But what about you? When's the last time you felt that awe? Some of you said this morning, maybe it was you um, were on a mountaintop, or maybe you saw a, a, a baby being born, or maybe it was a flower where you looked in at all of the intricacies of the petals. You see, the thing is, is that since time, recorded time began, people have been in awe of God's creation. And that creation is meant to bring, that awe of creation is meant to bring us into an encounter with the creator of it all. And the thing is, is that, you know, as science has progressed, the awe has just increased, really. Now we can see deep down in, with microscopic level and we see the complexity and the wonder of a human cell. Or we, with telescopes, it, um, you know, whereas the ancients, they heard thunder and they thought, oh, you know, God is rumbling up there because they thought, well, that's the top of the heavens. Now we see past further, but it just causes even more awe. I don't know if you saw the James Webb, uh, some of the pictures of the James Webb telescope uh, that came out last week or last month. This is, um, I think it's Stefan's Quintet. So that's a, a, a galaxy cluster of five galaxies. I think it's 290 million light years away uh, from Earth. And th those are five galaxies. Isn't that amazing? And so w when I look at that, not only am I wowed by the enormity of the universe, but then I think, you know, that sunset that stirred in me in awe of God, there are, well, there's around 100, on average, 100 billion stars in each galaxy. So there's 500 billion uh, sunrises and sunsets if there's just one planet. But anyways, there, and like that blows my mind. And that's, and there's billions of galaxies in the universe. And so this awe of creation, yes, now we can see deeper into space, but that question remains, that deep calls to deep that, well, why? Why is it here? What's the purpose of it all? And this wonder and awe has always been meant to stir in us a desire for the Creator, for that which transcends it all, and the fact that it's even further away than we thought, the, the heavens are even further and bigger than we thought, it just puts that question even deeper. Why? What's the purpose? Who made this all? And in fact, God has put this in our hearts, this desire for the transcendent, for the eternal, in our hearts so that we would seek him out. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3.11 says that. It says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. That sense of awe 
is put there by God so that we would consider the awesome eternal creator of it all. And many scriptures, many scriptures encourage us to consider various aspects of creation as a way to draw near to the creator. And today we are looking at Psalm 19. And thank you, Ingrid, for reading Psalm 19. And Psalm 19 is not just a beautiful song about the creation and the creator. It's also a guide. It's a guide for us on, on how to let the awe of creation connect us to the awesome creator. So let's look. In Psalm 19, we'll see that, that, that there is a sort of a pattern. There's a, a method here um, so if you would first actually go to that awe slide. Yes, thank you. Um, when we look at Psalm 19 in a general way, what do we see? We see at the beginning in verses 1 through 6 that the psalmist, he considers the heavens, right? And then in particular, he looks at the sun. He pays attention to the sun. And then he goes in verse 7 he starts to, uh, he goes to God's word, and he says, your law is perfect. So he pays attention, and then there's God's word. And then at the end, in verses 12 through 13, he has a personal encounter with God. And so we're going to look deeper into this part of Psalm 19, and it gives us a pattern of how, how do we connect with creation in a way that causes us to have a personal encounter with the creator of it all. We want our awe to bring us to that place. So I want you to remember awe. So that's attention, word, encounter. All right, so say it with me. Attention, word, encounter. Let's look at it. Let's look at how Psalm 19 shows us how to do this every day. All right. And attention is first. Attention. Turn your attention to something in creation with an open heart towards the creator. What feelings, what thoughts does it stir up? What does this part of creation reveal about, reveal about the creator? Because that's what the psalmist does. Look, in, in verses 1 through 6, what does he do? Now you can put up Psalm 1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky pro above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. So see what the psalmist does? He turns his attention to the sky. But in, in particular, and so he's overwhelmed, like, wow, this is God's handiwork. Look at how this sky, how big it is, how it, it proclaims God's glory. But then in particular, he focuses on the sun and how it charges across the sky. And, and nothing can escape the sun, right? It says nothing is hidden from its heat. And especially in a desert climate, you know, if you get in the shade, then if you're, the, you're in the shade for a while, but then as the sun goes across the sky, well, the shade moves. You can't escape it. There's, and, and if it's hot out, if the sun is hot, you, you can go in the shade, but it's still hot. We've experienced that a lot this summer. 
And so the psalmist, he's focusing on the sun. And he, he notes that although the sun doesn't proclaim God's glory with words, the message of the creator still goes throughout the globe because the sun goes throughout the globe. The testimony of creation testifies to the creator. Even though words aren't used, that message goes throughout the world. And that's why it's called general revelation. So I'm gonna throw out some theological terms for those who love those kinds of things. General revelation, meaning general, every person on earth sees the sun, sees the creation and is drawn to, and it says something about the creator. But the command to pay attention to the created order, the works of God's hands, to consider the work of God's hand, it's throughout Scripture. There's a whole lot of Scriptures. Uh, Psalm 8, for instance, verses 3 and 4, the psalmist says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. So this person is looking at the night sky. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? So he is in awe when he sees the transcendence of the sky and the bigness and all that. And he's like, but yet, God, you consider us. You're so high and above and mighty. You've made all this. But yet, you regard people, little people. So this, this command is to consider all these things in creation. And, you know, this... This sermon today, it's kind of introing uh, one of the, we're doing some growth groups this, this fall as we've been doing, and uh, Olivia's doing a great one, and she's going to talk about that next week um, and encourage you to, to look at that one. Uh, the other one we're doing is one that's actually based on this method, this Psalm 19 method, where we're going to uh, you know, meet at the pavilion, meet in different places to consider God's creation and how it brings us into relationship with the Creator. So we've got some cool things going on and we're in some, some big hikes too, but also most, for the most part, we're going to gather and just consider for those who aren't mobile, but we're also going to do some bigger hikes. Uh, Tom uh, Hool is going to bring out his, uh, his telescopes. And we're going to consider the night sky, um, but they're also going to be, uh, so it, all that to say, uh, that's one of the groups that we're going to be doing this uh, fall. And if you know a place, if you want to host one of those places, because you have a, a really cool, um, you know, thing near your house or whatever, you know, you know, see me. But one of the things that we're going to do as well is make sure that, especially for those who aren't mobile, to, to show that, you know, this considering of creation it's not just about going to a mountaintop, although I love doing that. That God's creative power, his work, the wonder of creation is also in the small things, is also in a blade of grass. If you pay attention to those small things, it's also God's creative wonder is also in you. So that even though we're in this building right now and we have only got small windows, so I can't see outside much, you can still consider God's wonder and his creative power in that he has created you. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. The psalmist is considering how God makes people. And he says, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So yes, we can hike a mountain, and we we are going to do that. But don't forget the little things. Don't forget the rose. Don't forget the honeybee. Don't forget you, because God has made you. And when we consider the human body, we should be in awe of the intricacy of it. And again, now that we have microscopes and stuff, we go on to the cellular level, and it's even, it's still, it's even more awe-inspiring about how God has made us. So for instance, let's hold our breath. On the count of three, those of you who can, let's hold your breath. Ready? One, two, three. <gasps> Now, I'm going to exhale because if I pass out, then I won't be able to finish my sermon. But if we kept holding our breaths until we did pass out, right? you know, why, why do we do that? Have you ever thought that we really didn't think, about, well, most of us, I mean, some of you maybe you have issues with breathing, but for the most part, we don't even think about breathing. And yet, this whole time we were breathing, we were taking in oxygen. Our bodies are amazing. And in fact, that every day, about 700 billion cells in our bodies wear out, and they must be replaced. And so when we breathe in oxygen, when we breathe in air, there's, in our lungs, there's this exchange that takes place. And our oxygen goes into our bloodstream, and then that blood takes the oxygen to each of our cells. And that oxygen is combined with some other things I can't remember that then build those cells up. And then the oxygen is, is combined with carbon so that it gives energy so that we can breathe, so that we can move. And all of that is happening now. We're not even thinking about it. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So if, and, and maybe some who are watching online, you're at home and you're kind of housebound that, and you're like, oh, I'd love to go and see a sunset again. And you can still consider God's creative power just by considering you how God has made you, how you've taken this breath, and how there's so many functions that happen. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So the, the scripture commands us to pay attention to how the created order points to the glory of the creator. So that's step one. So step one in Psalm 19 is attention, right? Turn your attention to a part of creation. And we can do this every day. We can do it now. We just did it now. Every day, every place, we can turn our attention to something in creation. But God's word or message, yes, it goes out in a general sense through creation. That's why, again, creation is called general revelation. But general revelation only reveals so much. So, for instance, the sun, right? The psalmist was considering the sun. The sun is powerful. It's inescapable. Well, then how much more is the one who created the sun uh, inescapable, right? Well, that's general revelation. When we, we see God, his attributes, his power through creation, but still so many questions remain. All right, there's a creator of the sun and all that we know, but is that creator like 
does he care for me? Does that creator, does, like the son, does, does he want to burn me up? You see, there's still questions that remain, and that's why we need what's called special revelation. That is where God reveals his word or his message in human language. That's why step two, A was attention. We turn our attention to the created order, but the second is word, right? Word, we, we now pay attention to God's word. We interpret God's creation through what he has revealed in human language, in word. That's what the psalmist does, right, in verse seven. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. So word, right? the fo- the following the, the Psalm 19 pattern, right? the message of God's creation pushes us towards his revealed word. So the, the psalmist, he first considers creation, but then in 19.7, what does he do? He turns to how the word of God is also beautiful and how the word gives us more answers, those answers that, yes, where you have this sense of awe, But now God has also revealed further who he is. Those stirrings of creation, yes, they stir in us, but they're also meant for us to pursue God so we get our answers from him. So God reveals himself in human language so that he can be known, God's word. So that's that next step. Basically, we're asking, how does God's word inform what I just noticed about creation? So the psalmist, he's looking at the sky, he's looking at the sun, and now he goes to God's word, and he's saying, all right, what is God's word? How does that inform what I'm experiencing? So maybe if you're on a mountaintop and you see all the God's wonder, right? The next step is, all right, God, is there, is there something in your word that I'm also being drawn to? So I was on one of my hikes and I saw an eagle. And that made me think of Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait for the Lord shall mount up with wings like an eagle. So it can be something very concrete like that. You see something and then you go to God's word and say, ah, okay, I see this God. Are you trying to, you know, remind me about me to wait on you? But it can also be something a little less concrete, like you see a a fallen tree with mushrooms and moss growing on it, and it just reminds you that, you know, uh, of mortality, how that we often stand and then then we fall, but we stand before God and and all of this. The the, the point is, is that we look at the created thing, but then we look at it through the lens of God's word. In the place of God's word, it's crucial to both Jewish and Christian understanding. God has revealed himself. He has spoken to people and through people because he wants to be known. 
And he understands that the creative, oh, yes, that's general revelation. Yes, it shows his power. It shows his glory. But God wants to be known even more. And so he has revealed his word. And just like God has put laws in nature, in the created order, so like there's the law of gravity, there's laws of physics and all of that, that those are patterns that you can bank on, you can observe them and know how things will go. He also has a moral law for moral agents. So we're moral agents. We're created in God's image. That means we can understand good and evil. We can relate to God. Unlike some of the parts of creation, we're created in his image. And so God also has a moral law and he has revealed that in his word. And that's why the psalmist, he says the law of the Lord, it's perfect. It's like honey. It's so valuable like gold, which is often different than how we think of law. Right? When we think of law, we often think of rest restriction. We think of constraints. We think of reluctant obedience. So, for instance, this happens, it seems like, every, at least every day when my wife says, hey, you're going a little fast. You know, the speed limit here is whatever it is. And I'm like, okay. And so and I'll slow down. I'm not like, oh, that's beautiful. Like that, you're right. The, the, the <laughs> speed limit, the speed limit being 35 here is beautiful and it, it protects me and all of this. Well, the psalmist, like, no, the psalmist says the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord is beautiful because it reveals more about God. It's not a constraint. It's rather showing more of God's heart. So that it's beautiful, so just as we consider the beauty of creation, then we consider the beauty of God's word, that it reveals who he is. That the bright morning sun, it speaks to the radiance of who God is, of, of who made it, but the reveal, the word of God also reveals that God is abounding in love. That he can be known, he wants to be known. He wants to share his radiance with creation. That you only find through special revelation. That you only find in God's word. And that's also why Jesus is called the word of God. Right? Jesus is called the word of God because he is God's ultimate self-revelation. If the word of God is God revealing himself to humanity in human language, then Jesus is God revealing himself in human form. That he is the perfect intermediary. He is fully God and fully man. He bridges that gap. That is what you learn from special revelation, that the word of God has come. He's given his life so that anything that keeps us from knowing God has been taken away by Jesus' sacrifice, the word of God. So yes, the, the scriptures are the word of God and help reveal who God is, but the ultimate self-revelation of God is the word of God, Jesus Christ. And that's why if maybe you, you've been tracking with me this, this whole time and like, oh yeah, I remember I was on this hike and I had this, you know, this awesome experience or when my baby was born, I had this, I was filled with awe. But then when I get to this Jesus thing, you're like, ah, I'm not so sure about that. But Jesus is God's ultimate self-revelation. Jesus is God saying, I want to have a relationship with you. And in fact, I want a relationship with you so much that I'm going to take away anything that comes between us. And so know the word. 
receive Jesus as your Savior, and then all of those awe feelings, all of the, the questions as you look deep into space, into the telescope, these questions have answers, and their answers are found in God. Now, that doesn't mean there won't ever be wise. They'll always be wise. They'll always be, I don't quite understand this God. But there will be this connection with the holy God, this encounter with the holy God that will change your life, that will change your purpose, that will cause everything that you're in awe of to point to the creator. So let's look at that last. So we've got attention, word, and the last E is encounter. I'm glad you remembered it. Oh, plus it was up there. I'll, I'll still give you credit. I'll say, oh, yeah, they remembered it. Because God has revealed himself in his word, right, that awe is meant to bring us into an encounter with God. And in, in the last part of Psalm, Psalm 19 and verses 12 through 14, we see that happening with the psalmist. Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also for, from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So the psalmist here, he finishes his psalm with an encounter with God personally. He's entering into a conversation with God in verse 13. The, the writer, he expresses a personal confession of repentance and a plea for God to help him, for God to help him overcome his own sinful struggles. And, and this encounter should be a two-way conversation where you're talking to God, but you're also hearing from God. So it's to God. You lift up praises and thanks to God for the things that he has created and that you're able to enjoy them, that he has created you, he's given you life. And the scriptures are full of, of calls for all of creation to praise God. For instance, Psalm 148, we don't have time, we're not going to look, but that's your homework, go read Psalm 148. It calls all of creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, people, to praise God. Psalm 8, like we looked at, it's, wow, God, you've created all these things. What is man? It's, it's to God where we're praising him. But this encounter also means that we encounter him so that we can receive what something from God today. What do you feel God is telling you today? So whatever you noticed, whatever part of creation, maybe it was a honeybee on a flower, if, and especially if that thing prompted you to exalt God, that has become an opportunity for you today to encounter him in a personal way. So we go from the transcendence of the creator to the intimacy of a personal God who speaks to his people. And that's also why it's so important to understand that we need to filter this through God's word. Because ultimately, when we have that connection with God, God will put in our hearts that need for, to, to know him through Jesus. And the psalmist, that's what happens with him. Notice the psalmist, perhaps from, as I mentioned, uh, contemplating the inescapability from the sun's rays 
and, and knowing that the creator's light, all right, if I can't escape the sun's rays, I can't escape the creator's gaze. So that causes him, what, to, to start to pray for, to God, God, I've got a lot of sin. And, and in fact, God, help me, help, uh, help me to see my hidden sin. Because he knows, I'm so small, I can't, lots of times I sin and I don't even realize it. I don't even know it. And so the psalmist, is, as he sees that the, the heat of the sun, you can't escape it, he's confessing to God, but then he's praying to God, God, cleanse me. Let me see these hidden faults. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Because he knows, he can't stand in God's presence unless God helps him. Now, what the psalmist didn't know, but what he began, but what we know is that God ultimately cleansed us from sin and allowed us to stand in his presence from sin that we see, sin that we don't see through the sacrifice of Jesus. But the point is, is that the psalmist, he's a personal encounter with the creator, but he begins his journey by paying attention to the witness of creation, the testimony of creation, then he goes to the testimony of the word, and then he goes to the inner testimony of the spirit, as the spirit of God, as we know now, applies these things to him personally. So, as we look at this pattern in Psalm 19, it encourages us today, today, to be in awe of our creator not to just stop there, not just to stop with some warm and fuzzies, some stirrings in our bowels or however they used to say it. I don't know why I said that. But, <laughs> but you know, like that, that stirring in our soul, right? That's what I was looking for, stirring in our soul. <laughs> like don't stop there, right? That stirring that we have, a lot of folks like, it's wonderful, and, and, they, and that's why they go and they seek, but don't stop there. Let that stirring then take you to that next step of an encounter with the living God. And you can do that today. I, I invite you, yeah, when we do our, our growth group, I pray that you would uh, join in as we go and we consider different parts of creation. It's going to be a great time. I encourage you to do that. Uh, but also, like, there's nothing stopping you when you leave this place. As you drive down the street, look, consider the trees, consider the grass, or even before you leave this place, you consider the, the breath that you're taking. You consider that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and let that cause you to enter into an encounter with the Creator. Psalm 19 gives us that pattern, but will we follow it? Will we take God up on this opportunity that we have every day, every day that we have creation? Every day that we see it, hear it, touch it, experience creation, will it push us to an encounter with the Creator? Let's pray. Dear God, we do confess so many times we take for granted all of the wonder. And Lord, sometimes when we see it, we also don't allow that to push us towards an encounter with your word and an encounter with you. So I pray, Lord, that each one of us, Holy Spirit, that you would move in us, Holy Spirit, that you would cause us to open our minds and our hearts to your creative power, to your glory, and that 
everything in this, your creation, God, would point us to you. We praise you, God, for you are a powerful creator, but we also praise you that you are near and that you, Lord, gave Jesus so that we could have that personal encounter with you that would span into eternity, that eternity that you've placed in our hearts so that we would seek you. We thank you, Lord, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.